This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious lolly Focus Pops or lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conservative. Constitutional. It's the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Keeping you informed on what's going on right here in Kentucky. Good morning, Kentucky. You are listening to the Andrew Cooperwriter Show, Kentucky's only daily show that focuses on Kentucky news and politics from a conservative perspective. Thank you to everyone for the many emails of support over the last week. I really appreciate the feedback from listeners. I also want to encourage everyone, if you enjoy the show, you enjoy what I'm doing here, make sure you tell others about it. Make sure you remind them to tune in. Obviously, you can tune in on WZXI Monday through Friday at 9 a.m., which can be heard at tw- on uh, 1280 a.m., 94.1 FM, and 95.5 FM in Garrett, Boyle, Jesmond, Madison, Lincoln, and South Lexington area. You can also listen to WZXI, their, their radio feed, on a player at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's theandrewshow.com. And if you want to reach out to the show, you've got show tips or things you want to see covered, you have comments you want to make, I might even read them on the air. If you've got questions, I can read those out too as well and answer them for you. Go ahead and email info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com. We've got a big show today, so let's dig into it. Last week during my cacophony of episodes where I covered everything that is the disappointment of the Cameron campaign, I had a throwaway line where I was boiling down into just how the people who are running Cameron's campaign, those McConnell staffers, people like Terry Carmack, the uh, chief of staff for McConnell that was involved with the campaign, people like uh, Scott Jennings, uh, owner of Run Switch, who's a part of that campaign. Remember, Cameron thanked them for their efforts in his concession speech. I mentioned as a point that uh, the perfect thing that shows just how they think and how they'd rather lose um, than allow Republicans to win that they can't control. Something you know we've seen, obviously, at the national level. We've seen McConnell and the type. This isn't a big surprise. Uh, working in the national Senate, uh, almost basically constructing the fact that they're in the minority now because they refuse to help certain Republicans or help them out as much as they should in races because they just didn't like them. And there was something specific that I mentioned about the Cameron campaign as far as their lieutenant governor choice. Obviously, they chose Robbie Mills, a nice guy, doesn't really fulfill much, though, for the campaign. And I mentioned that, um, you know, people that I know and talk to uh, had that 
Kelly Paul was looked at. Rand Paul's wife as a lieutenant governor nominee. Apparently, I'm told she was willing to do it, but the Cameron campaign declined to bring her on. And I didn't really. I mentioned that to say, obviously, she was a better choice uh, than Senator Mills. Nothing against, once again, Senator Mills. Um, nice guy, super nice guy. It's just that obviously Kelly Paul would bring in more national money, uh, a little more high profile to the race, obviously would help turn out more of the grassroots, really could facilitate a whole lot of things to the campaign, but they decided not to do it. And it's such an obvious decision you should have made, really a decision that could have been the difference between winning and losing. I mean, remember what Cameron lost by five, six percentage points. You really only got to move three percentage points over from Bashir to you or uh, turn out more people to vote. As I said, we don't have the turnout by party uh, data yet. Um, so we don't know if this is true or not, but obviously those who listen to the show know is my hypothesis and my belief that more Republicans, or sorry, more Democrats turned out to vote last Tuesday than Republicans did just period. You know, a lot of people asking, how did Republicans vote for Bashir? But I don't think personally large amounts of Republicans voted for Bashir. I just think large amounts of Republicans didn't turn out. And, and I went through evidence of this, but a, another piece of evidence I didn't mention at the time is that turnout for Tuesday was down 6%, I believe, over 4 Years ago, the Bevin-Bashir uh, race, that was a lot closer. Turnout was down, but what we saw was, what, an eight, nine points or so higher turnout in Louisville and Lexington than state average. Those are obviously highly liberal areas. That coupled with early voting, Democrats, uh, more people having voted in early voting than prior years, and 30,000 more Democrats having voted in early voting compared to, there was only 8,000 more Democrats in 2022. That's what leads me to believe that simply Republicans didn't turn out to vote. And putting somebody like Kelly Paul on the ticket would have certainly gathered some people, especially some of those Northern Kentucky uh, Catholics that were very upset at Cameron for the flip-flop. And, you know, you can be mad at them for not turning out to vote because of the flip-flopping, but it doesn't change the fact that's what happened. And perhaps putting a, a Paul on the ticket could have helped do that by pointing out that, well, simply they didn't want my belief is they didn't want the Liberty people to have too much control over Cameron. They are afraid of the Liberty slash conservative wing of the Republican Party that exists here in Kentucky, despite the fact that those people, when they make it to the general, and I say when they make it to the general, because of course the establishment does everything they can to defeat Liberty candidates, outspending them as much as they can uh, and doing everything that they can to, to, push them off to the side, ignore them. Um, but despite that, we see that when Liberty candidates make to the general, they win. Uh, you know, Bashir won districts like uh, Representative Rawlings district. He's no moderate. He is certainly a very conservative representative. Definitely not a person that you would describe as middle of the road, yet he performs better in a general than Cameron did. You have Steve Doan performing better in the general than Cameron did. Not a moderate, a liberty-type legislator. And you have uh, Representative Proctor, also in northern Kentucky, performing better than Cameron did in the general in the same exact areas. So clearly this Liberty wing can win when they make it to the ticket, but they didn't want to put Kelly Paul on because they didn't want 
my hypothesis, once again, they didn't want, they wanted McConnell to have control over that governorship, but also to remember if Cameron took over as governor and if the quote unquote plan was for McConnell then to step down and then Cameron could appoint himself as Senator, if when Senator McConnell stepped down, Cameron then appoints himself as Senator. Well, that would make Kelly Paul the governor of Kentucky, a Liberty governor. And well, I don't think the McConnellites in this state could handle that. That was too much for them to bear. So they'd rather lose the governorship to Bashir than bring on somebody like Kelly Paul's lieutenant governor, risk her becoming governor, and risk the Liberty people having more influence in the state. They couldn't stand that, so they'd rather lose. And I, I like I said, I didn't realize that would be such a point for people. I kind of just mentioned it in passing, um, but people really zeroed in on that for good reason, because it literally points to the problem we have here in Kentucky. And that is we have too many establishment Republicans that aren't very conservative. They've thrown R next to their names in a lot of ways simply so they can win elections. That's it while leaving beside behind conservative principles. And we saw a very good example of this at a recent Chamber of Commerce event where legislators were asked out to talk about a, a variety of topics. And one of the things that came out was about lowering the income tax regardless. Um, you know, they set up a law back in, in uh, was it 2022, uh, kind of outlining out, out, uh, lining a, a process that they would go through in order to lower our income tax down while surreptitiously uh, raising revenues. And obviously, I hated the plan at the time, and there's a litany of reasons why, but they haven't hit those markers. And well, it's quite obvious why they didn't hit them. It's all because our legislators apparently don't know how to adopt a conservative fiscal policy. And it's very disappointing. And it's going to leave more of us to pay more and more for it. And I'm going to go over what they said at this Chamber of Commerce event and why it points to just everything that is wrong with our Republican Party in Kentucky and why these hard races, they will continue to lose until they get their act together. But in order to hear that, you're going to have to hang with us till after this break. We'll be back in just a few short minutes. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper Writer Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a conservative perspective. We'll see you all back here in just a short bit. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative perspective. The only place where you're going to get the kind of political talk that focuses on conservative issues right here in Kentucky. So before the break, I was talking about Chamber of Commerce event recently and, and how it kind of illustrates this problem we see with these quote-unquote Republicans in Kentucky that seem to not be able to adopt a conservative fiscal policy. So to hem this in and understand this, 
Uh, a few years ago, our legislators passed a bill to outline a process to lowering our income tax. And the way the process was set up is that when certain income and revenue uh, triggers were hit, then the legislature was to pass a law uh, to lower the income tax by half a percentage point. And the law set up the, 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 it's really more of a framework because this is the other point. I think people get a little confused on when it comes to these types of laws. The legislature can't necessarily, they, they don't pass laws that they have to follow in the future. When the legislature makes laws, all they have to follow is the U.S. Constitution, federal law, state constitution, certain ethic rules, ethics rules, things like that, that they can break. But they can't break prior state law because when they pass a new law or write a new law, it just overwrites any laws that disagree with what they're currently doing. So when they pass this framework for how they're going to lower the income tax rate, it doesn't prevent them at any moment they want to from just lowering the income tax rate anyways. But regardless, they want to put a piece of uh, framework together. And this is what they put together. They, they said, look, as revenues raise... And at that time, our general fund was about 12.5 or so, $13 billion. They said, as our general fund revenues raise, that's where the income tax goes. We will see us lowering it down. And the plan called for them to, uh, I believe, get to 0% income tax when we bring in $21.5 billion a year, which uh, last I checked, is significantly more than $12.5 billion. So already the framework, these so-called conservatives, these leadership we have put together in this state calls for the government of Kentucky to make more money in order for you to be taxed, quote unquote, less supposedly. And I say less supposedly because, well, while I may not have a college degree in mathematics, I am not an idiot. And I know that the government pulls in money from one place, yours and I's pockets. And unless for some reason we are going to become a mecca of tourism uh, that we haven't currently are, and we're going to grow by leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds to make up for the fact that you're increasing our state revenues from $12.5 billion all the way on up to $21.5 billion. Uh, pretty, once again, significant increase there. Um, so unless we suddenly become a mecca of tourism, that almost doubling of our state general fund budget has to come from somewhere and it's going to come from our pockets. And so to help pick up these revenue failures, the legislature didn't raise your sales tax. No, they raised taxes and, and created taxing in new categories, mainly from business to business services. And then they called this, they said, no, 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 we didn't raise your taxes, the common Kentuckian. No, we raised the taxes of businesses. So they pay their fair share. Now, anyone who's not a moron knows that businesses aren't people. Businesses don't pay taxes. People do. And that if a business is taxed more to do business, well, they just simply pass that cost onto their consumers. This is basic economics. And so while the legislature may claim to you that you yourself didn't have to pay any more sales tax, well, guess what? Many of the expenses going into businesses in Kentucky went up by 6%, which means, guess what? Their prices have to go up accordingly.
And so this is how they ended up taxing you more while convincing you it was for your own good in our quest to lower a 0% income tax. Now, if you say, well, look, we want to do this safely. We don't want to cut out the bottom. Well, the simple response would have been to say, okay, um, currently our general fund is 13-ish billion. Um, so as long as we maintain 13 billion and we have an overage uh, to cut to, to, to cover the cut we would make, um, then we will cut it. So if we have 13 billion, is it? And our next income tax cut, uh, will cost us a billion. We had to bring in 14 billion then in revenue. And when we do that, we will cut that by half a percentage point and it'll go back down, uh, you know, and, and your income tax will go down and then next year we'll operate off our 13 billion. And then if it once again, hits 14 billion or more, we'll cut it down again, so on and so forth. That would have been a fine way to do it. I still think our state spends way too much money, but at least you can make the argument that your taxes aren't being raised, but that's not what your amazing conservative, super fiscally conservative, they really, really promise legislators did. No, instead, they passed a framework that required you to pay more. And they'll convince you that, well, look, we're going to bring in more citizens. It's not going to come out of your pocket. We'll bring in more citizens. That's where the revenues will be made up. We're somehow going to grow our population by almost double because that's what we'd have to do to not increase the tax burden. Or we'd have to double the amount of people working in Kentucky to make that tax burden not increased on you, the common citizen. Which something I don't know if that's going to happen or not. Probably not. Anytime soon, considering how long it took us to get from $2 million to $4 million, even at an exponential level of growth, I don't think in our lifetime we will see Kentucky hit an 8 million people mark. But who knows? I could be wrong. Regardless, they set up this framework. And so this past year, 2023 fiscal year, they hit their marker for revenue, but there was a problem. You see, the state legislature's budget, they spent too much. That's right. They set up a framework for how they would lower your income tax, saying that, well, there, remember, there's two prongs, a revenue marker and the excess, the uh, a surplus of revenues, the overtaxation they've done to you must exceed what the projected cost of the half percentage point cut will be in order to make up the budget difference. So you hit the, you hit the marker of revenue but they spent so much that if they lowered half a percentage point, they would then have to lower our state budget because they spent more than they planned just almost a year or so prior because that's who we have, overspenders. And so at a recent Chamber of Commerce event, they were asked, will you just lower it anyways? Because that's what a real conservative would do. That's what... Republican legislators that actually cared about Kentuckians would go ahead and execute. They'd say, look, our bad. You all paid your taxes. Uh, you hit the revenue goals that we were looking for. It's our fault that we budgeted too much money. We spent too much money. That's on us. We take blame for it. So what we're going to go ahead and do, we're going to lower it anyways, and we're going to tighten our belts like we're supposed to. And instead of spending more than the, because remember, right, the revenue goals are already marked 
for about a 10% in this case, increase in spending. So they're going to say, instead of increasing our spending more than 10% or so, we're going to go ahead and and not do that. We're going to only increase our spending by 8% or 9% uh, or, or no, sorry, they were allowed to increase by 10%, but they did more than a 10 percentage increase in spending. So they say, you know what, we're going to back down. Um, we're not going to get so greedy. We're going to instead spend less. And so the Chamber of Commerce asked, will you be cutting the income tax? And the legislators responded with a resounding, no, no, we're not going to do that. Why? Because they hate you. Just because. Hey, yeah, yeah, we spent too much. Yeah, sure, we didn't even follow our own plan, but well, we don't have to pay for the consequences of our actions. You do, the Kentucky taxpayer. And then to cap that all off at this same event, the Chamber of Commerce asked about local option sales tax. Now, the Chamber of Commerce wants income tax lowered because that helps, uh, quote unquote, businesses, in their opinion, that brings in people. But they love increasing sales taxes. They want the government to have more money. Make no mistake, you'd think the Chamber of Commerce, the State Chamber of Commerce, should be representing business interests, which means more money in private hands, but that's not what they do. They want local and state governments to have more money, so that way they can take more out of your pockets and give it more to their big private industries, giant corporations, in order to bribe them into coming in and, and opening up shops or giving them those tax breaks that they so love or just giving them cold, hard cash like we see happen so often. And they want these areas to have more. And so currently in the Kentucky state constitution, uh, it doesn't allow a local option sales tax. And that's something that a lot of groups, including the Chamber of Commerce, wants to change. So they asked, would you be willing to propose it? Now, at least some of the legislators in attendance were smart enough to explain to them that this is an incredibly hard sell because it's easy, and it is, in 30 seconds to tell you you're spending, uh, they're going to tax you more. That's a 30-second destruction argument. And in order to convince you to sign away more of your hard-earned cash to your government, well, that takes a little bit more selling, and that might be too difficult for them to accomplish. There wasn't a discussion about whether this was a good idea or not. Now, if you wanted to pass a constitutional amendment that restricted any income tax of any kind at the state and county levels, including the occupational tax, well, then... Let's talk about allowing a local option sales tax if you're going to get rid of that income tax, that local income tax. But that's not what they talked about. Well, we're coming up on the break. After this, uh, we're going to finish out talking about how horrible these conservatives or so-called conservatives are in our state. And a few more exciting topics to cover as well. Um, you know, what's the difference between running as a moderate or not? And a few other examples of state ridiculousness. We'll have more after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Cooper Ryder Show. And you are back with the Andrew Cooper Ryder Show, your source for Kentucky politics from a constitutional and conservative perspective. Before the break, we we're talking about some legislators talking to the Chamber of Commerce about how, even though they, it's on them, spent too much, um, more than they had planned, they won't be anyways lowering our income tax because, well, they just don't care about you. And they were talking about local option sales tax because, of course, the conversation is always about how the government needs more of your money. 
talk to any of your rhino legislators and i don't like to use the word rhino too often but in this case well a, fis a conservative fiscal policy has left as i said left our state a long time ago i mean i i ask you you have a republican supermajority and you spend more every single year what is wrong with you anyways anyways sorry um so they they were talking about they're not going to lower taxes they're not going to do that and so uh, talking about how to take more of your money and they just can't fathom not spending as much as they are. And I can think of a few places where they can make cuts. Here's a great example of just how much these legislators hate you. So the house, the state Capitol is undergoing a lot of uh, renovations, right? So a little history on our state Capitol. Our state Capitol was originally built uh, with money from actually the federal government, mostly, um, so it comes from the Civil War. The the Union used a lot of uh, places in Kentucky, a lot of government facilities in Kentucky, and had to compensate the state for the use of that after the war. And then that money was used to build our Capitol building, which is why, honestly, Kentucky has a very nice Capitol building. And obviously, old buildings need renovations. That's not a problem. I understand you have to spend money on that. However, there's some renovations going on to the House Chamber in 2025. That's uh, for that year there. And for that one year, the House chamber has decided to bid out the building, spending millions to build a whole new temporary House chamber for that 2025 session. Now, for those of you unaware, that is a short year session. Our legislators spend 60 actual days in the chamber on long years, on short years, which is the odd years, they spend 30. And now I say actual day. So they do uh, committee hearings and those types of meetings. That doesn't happen in the actual capital, in the actual chambers, though. That happens in various uh, uh, hearing rooms around this, the, the capital there. And then maybe three days-ish, normally-ish, a week, uh, they conduct actual voting and business-ish. So basically, the, the, the uh, committees have their meetings. They vote to put bills forward to the floor, so on and so forth. And then the actual voting that takes place in the chamber is only 30 days on these off years. So only 30 days that your state house representatives will be in this room. And for some reason, for those 30 days of session, uh, they are unable to conduct it anywhere else. They have to get a temporary building built. You know, they can't maybe uh, construct something on a, I don't know, maybe a, a basketball floor. I mean, ever so often, I think maybe it's once a year or so, they go and they conduct a chamber hearing or they conduct a, uh, a grouping in the old, old Capitol building. Now, of course, it isn't outfitted with all the different technologies and whatnot, but there's space there. Could you retrofit that to work? You could do it on a basketball court floor, like I said. You could do it. I mean, the caucus rooms, remember, there's a room that these... these there are 80 elected Republicans. They meet in a caucus room in the annex almost every day of session. That can fit 80. Can we make some arrangements to fit the full 100 in there? For these 30 days, is, can we not put down maybe some plastic? Is there a way to construct uh, this construction plan? So for those 30 days, while maybe the chambers won't be beautiful to look at, they can at least be usable 
for those 30 days to those that need to do it. Maybe you got to hang some plastic up or something, or maybe they don't have necessarily the same comfy chairs or desks, but come on, y'all, it's 30 days of session, but no, they can't do that. I just went through a litany of different options, simply using an auditorium at a local school for those 30 days, using the old Capitol building. I get it. It doesn't have AC. We'll get you some fans, anything to save the money. But instead, no, they must spend the money constructing a temporary chamber. And this chamber, for those of you who know Frankfurt, it will go above the, uh, apparently go on top of the parking garage uh, there that is that is at the Capitol. So you've got the main Capitol building, you have the annex behind them, and then uh, you have the garage off to the side, kind of kind of behind the governor's mansion there. It's supposedly going to go on top of that. And that's what they're building an entire hundred person chamber to conduct business in. And yet they just can't seem to find it in the budget to cut your income tax half a percentage point because they spent too much. This is some places where you can make some cuts, don't you think? I mean, if you were actually strapped for cash, and if you weren't a fool who couldn't handle money, you would find a way to make it work. You would find a room that was already built that you could put people into that you could fit people, a hundred people into. That's that's how many people, hundred legislators, there's of course auxiliary people, watching galleries, things like that. So let's say maybe it's 300 people. You can find a place to put 300 people, but they can't do it. I mean, remember during the entire year of 2021, you could attend via Zoom because of COVID concerns. So you could attend via Zoom. You could attend your committee hearings via Zoom. You could even vote if you saw fit to re remotely because of COVID. But you can't do that now. We have to spend millions of your dollars. And then we wonder how we overspent our own plan a year ago. This is absolutely and positively ridiculous, but that is who we have leading us. That's the great conservative messengers of Kentucky. And then you wonder why voters aren't excited to turn out for a Republican candidate that doesn't say much about policy and scratch your heads, how did we lose? Well, maybe if Republicans, as by and large, and Republican leadership in the state stopped ignoring liberty and conservative candidates and started listening to them and the liberty and conservative members of their caucus, they might realize that, well, they've gone far off a deep end. And they need to come back in order to keep turning out the people that they've left behind. Speaking of people left behind, you know, it, it's funny. Um, I talked about Scott Jennings' article last uh, week and some others have made a big deal about Michael Adams and Allison Ball both getting 61%. Michael Adams, the most amount of votes of anybody on the ticket. And they're making a big deal about that because Michael Adams and Allison Ball uh, are the more moderate members of our constitutional officers that just won Re-election. I mean, Michael Adams and Allison Ball were both endorsed by the Herald Leader, clearly points to their bona fides as a more moderate member. I mean, Allison Ball, during her victory speech, had actual Black Lives Matter adjacent members and protesters up on stage with her as part of her great team that helped her win, of course. 
um, you know, and we've gone over, uh, you know, the, the so-called Republican councilman in Hopkins County, Christian Handy, the man accused of drunk driving in DUIs, who was a Black Lives Matter protester, but now somehow is a Republican city council member, something that was facilitated by Allison Ball. Of course, Michael Adams has made it clear, very clear, he doesn't particularly like the conservative wing of the Republican Party. And despite all that, what's that worth? What's it worth selling yourself out to be as moderate and non-offensive as possible? Well, Allison and Michael both got 61%. Would the other people get down ticket? Would the would the more conservative members of the constitutional officers buy the own admittance of not only the talking heads, but basically the candidates themselves? Well, we'll have that after this short break. You're listening to the Andrew Kubrider Show, your source for Kentucky politics and news. Remember, you can send your questions and comments to the show by emailing info at theandrewshow.com. Once again, that's info at theandrewshow.com for your questions and comments. We'll be back in just a short few minutes. And you are back with the Andrew Kubrider Show. Before the break, I was going over how the most moderate candidates, as like I said, admitted to by media, by basically candidates themselves, admitted to based upon their behaviors, got 61% of the vote. And of course, the establishment spineless fools look at this as a uh, great accomplishment and points to it as evidence that you need to be more moderate without even looking at what does selling out your conservative values or selling out some of your own base, what does that really get you in a general? Well, let's take a look at agricultural commissioner elect Jonathan Shell. He won his race with 59% of the vote, just two percentage points less than both Allison and Michael Adams, two percentage points in. Well, Jonathan Shell's uh, attack here, his, his, his policy was pretty simple. Stop Biden, save Kentucky. Now, that seems pretty basic and straightforward. And uh, people, once again, I covered this in another episode, that don't understand how agriculture so affected by federal policy would be completely unaware of why that would be an effective tagline outside the fact that Biden's very hated, but also understanding that the war on the rural communities and rural lifestyles by the Biden uh, uh, administration is something that our, not just our state, but not just our farmers, but our entire state could use protecting from. Very straightforward. Not very moderate, per se. He didn't mush mouth it like Michael Adams may have when it comes to Trump and Republicans and parts of it. Uh, he didn't call out members of his own base and group for being uh, ultra-maga extreme Republicans like some other candidates did. He didn't do that. He simply had a simple message and worried about his race delivering on conservative ideas throughout. Conservative ideas of how do we get government out of your way? How do I get the federal government out of your way so you can be successful? How do we get regulations out of your way so you can be successful? All things that uh, Shell talked about in his campaign. I mean, he talked about things like, you know, how do we remove the regulation between farmers getting from, as he says, from the farm gate to the food plate? Because there's so many laws and, and, and rules about why a farmer can't sell you food and they have to go through this entire rigmarole and, and huge apparatus of distributors. This is why we had such food problems during COVID. 
It was a simple message that wasn't necessarily very moderate. It's two percentage points less, but you know, of course, your your spineless middles want you to think that if you want to win as a Republican, well, you should be completely uh, absent on conservative talking points, but they want you to ignore at the same time how well that worked for Cameron, a pretty moderate guy. Like I, I generally like Cameron. He's a good guy. It's just through his campaign, he didn't say much and obviously try to play a more moderate road. And well, we see that he wasn't as successful. So I would say that those two percentage points that you really gain by, you know, go ahead and endearing yourself to people like the editorial board at the Herald leader and not the conservatives. It isn't worth it. Certainly not worth the liability of when you get into your next primary and you're not running as an incumbent for something and how that will uh, reflect on you. Finally, we have a uh, investigation going on from Kentucky uh, registry of election finance. KREF is investigating Somerset Mayor, Somerset Mayor, no, not Somerset Mayor, Alan Keck, sorry, Alan, uh, London Mayor um, Weddle. Now, um, Weddle, for those of you who are unaware, he made some headlines this last season as he had some inappropriate behaviors when it comes to uh, his donations to the uh, Democrat Party. So what did Weddle, Randall Weddle, Mayor of London, what did he do? Well, he, okay, so he used the same credit card to donate uh, over $200,000 to Bashir uh, during the governor's election. And he did this through what's called straw donations, it would appear. So basically, you are limited in Kentucky. You can only give $2,100 per person to a candidate. Uh, if you're married, then you could conceivably see the same credit card given $4,200. And then you can give $15,000 to the state party who is allowed to spend that money, of course, on Bashir's campaign if they so chose, which they were choosing to do so. And if you're married, that would then be 30000 So the most Randall Weddle could give in this way to Kentucky groups uh, should have been Weddle and his wife, um, I'm assuming he's married here, uh, would be 4,200 plus 30,000. So 34,200, right? Um, that would be the most they should have gave, but instead we saw over $200,000 coming from his and his wife's credit card, uh, in other people's names, six donations of Bashir campaign, and then 15 to the Kentucky Democrat party, um, and so the, the Kentucky registry of election finance has decided to go ahead and investigate this and look into it to see, um, well, who's at fault here, uh, because the donations to the Kentucky democratic party could even run afoul of some federal laws as well, some federal laws as well. And so Bashir, of course, for his part says it's inadvertent. I don't know how you miss that you got six donations um from the same credit card but you know well technically eight then you know six to Bashir's campaign plus their two so that'd be eight donations to the Bashir campaign same credit card they should probably pick that up that is an important thing to do and of course the 
uh, Democrat Party should have picked this up too as well when, well, how many $15,000 donations do they really get in? I don't know. But you get 15 $15,000 donations from the same credit card. It should have probably raised some red flags, but of course it didn't. And it leaves some questions of what's going on here. Now, what has raised some eyebrows as well of what makes this thing, maybe is this a coordinated thing, deals with a state project. You know, both Bashir and Cameron had their own campaign finance issues. Cameron had issues with, uh, you know, major PAC donors uh, seeming to benefit from some things that his office was pursuing, like the Ibogaine research into treating addiction. Um, you also saw members that his office was actively engaged in court cases against, and then his campaign for asking them for donations. That's obviously inappropriate. But you also had situations with the Bashir's campaign. You had the the Weddell situation, but you also had the Barron County Economic or Barron District or whatever it's called, Economic Development Group, uh, taxpayer funded group that gave a donation to the campaign there. So that's an issue. And so the question is: Is this coordinated or is this not? Well, we do have some questions here because it would appear this summer some Republican lawmakers have asked some questions on why a $1.1 million state road project that was benefiting Weddell's business was moved up ahead of schedule. Now, of course, Bashir administration says, no, 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 no. This was just done as cost saving. You know, yeah, these allegations of conflict that look, yes. Did he donate a lot of money? Did we move up a construction project? Near the time he donated a lot of money, yes, we did. Does that benefit uh, his business that your state? To, I mean, why is it that? I, I mean, think about this too. You're spending 1.1 million dollars of state tax money, and for some reason, it benefits one man's business so much so to the point that he's willing to donate. Or it, it looks like it looks like it benefited him so much that he was willing to donate over two hundred thousand dollars. Um, to your campaign. That's a pretty penny. That's that's 20% of that road project, but who knows how much that would have benefited him. On top of that, though, there's another question about Weddell's behavior that's being looked at by the Kentucky uh, Registry of Election Finance, and that was during his 2022 mayoral campaign. On top of that being an extraordinarily expensive campaign, I think he spent $75,000 to win the London governor's race. Uh, and for, for that perspective there, um, can London, Kentucky has a population of 7,413. So, um, well, that's a, that's a fair amount. That's a hundred bucks a citizen over. He spent, that's a lot for a mayoral race, but it also looks like during that race, three months beforehand, he gave out free gas to voters. <laughs> <laughs> he gave out free gas as part of a possibly a campaign stunt. And obviously that would look a lot like vote buying, which uh, for those of you who are unaware is still illegal in Kentucky. I know obviously it happens a lot in Eastern Kentucky areas. It's looked at as common business, but it is in fact illegal. Somebody just in fact got charged and suggested to have a 12 year sentence for vote buying here in Kentucky. Well, y'all, that's what we have time for today on the Andrew Cooper Writer Show. Thank you all so, so much for joining us. 
We'll be back here tomorrow with all the information news you need to stay informed on politics right here in Kentucky. Y'all have a great rest of your day. See you soon.